So tonight we'll do the morning chanting, and we'll we'll just do it again in English, starting on um, page two. Yeah, we'll do page two and see how far we get. <laughs> To the Blessed One, the Lord, who fully attained perfect enlightenment, to the teaching which he expounded so well, and to the Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well, to these the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, we render with offerings our rightful homage. It is well for us that the Blessed One, having attained liberation, still had compassion for later generations. May these simple offerings be accepted for our long-lasting benefit and for happiness it gives us. The Lord, the perfectly enlightened and blessed one, I render homage to the Buddha, the blessed one. The teachings so completely explained by him, I bow to the Dhamma. The Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well, I bow to the Sangha. Now let us pay preliminary homage to the Buddha, homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one, homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one, homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Now let us chant in praise of the Buddha. The Tathagata is the pure one, the perfectly enlightened one. He is impeccable in conduct and understanding, the accomplished one the knower of the worlds. He gives those who wish to be trained. He is teacher of gods and humans. He is awake and holy. In this world with its gods, demons and kind spirits, its seekers and sages, celestial and human beings, he has pointed out the truth. He has pointed out the Dhamma, beautiful in the beginning, 
Beautiful in the middle, beautiful in the end. He has explained the spiritual life of complete purity in its essence and convention. I chant my praise to the Blessed One. I bow my head to the Blessed One. Now let us chant in praise of the Dhamma. The Dhamma is well expounded by the Blessed One. Apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation, leading in words to be experienced individually by the wise. I chant my praise to this teaching. I bow my head to this truth. Now let us chant in praise of the Sangha. They are the Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well, who have practiced directly, who have practiced insightfully, those who practice with integrity. That is the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings. These are the Blessed One's disciples. Such ones are worthy of gifts, worthy of hospitality, worthy of offerings, worthy of respect. They give occasion for incomparable goodness to arise in the world. I chant my praise to this Sangha. I bow my head to this Sangha. Now let us chant our salutation to the Triple Gem and a passage to arouse urgency. The Buddha, absolutely pure, with ocean-like compassion, possessing the clear sight of wisdom, destroyer of worldly self-corruption, devotedly indeed, that Buddha I revere, the teaching of the Lord like a lamp, illuminating the path and its fruit, the deathless, that which is beyond the conditioned world, devotedly indeed, that Dhamma I revere, the Sangha, the most fertile ground for cultivation. Those who have realized peace, awakened after the accomplished one, noble and wise, all longing abandoned, devotedly indeed, that Sangha I revere. Its salutation should be made to that which is worthy. Through the power of such good action, 
May all obstacles disappear. One who knows things as they are has come into this world, and he is an arahant, a perfectly awakened being, purifying the way leading out of delusion, calming and directing to perfect peace and leading to enlightenment, this way he has made known. Having heard the teaching, we know this. Birth is dukkha, aging is dukkha, and death is dukkha. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are dukkha. Association with the disliked is dukkha. Separation from the liked is dukkha. Not attaining one's wishes is dukkha. In brief, the five focuses of the grasping mind, dukkha. These are as follows. Attachment to form. Attachment to feeling. Attachment to perception, attachment to mental formations, attachment to sense consciousness. For the complete understanding of this, the Blessed One in his lifetime frequently instructed his disciples in just this way. In addition, he further instructed Form is impermanent, feeling is impermanent, perception is impermanent, mental formations are impermanent, sense consciousness is impermanent, form is not self, feeling is not self, perception is not self, mental formations are not self, Sense consciousness is not self. All conditions are transients. There is no self in the created or the uncreated. All of us bound by birth, aging, and death, by sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair, bound by dukkha and obstructed by dukkha, let us all aspire to complete freedom from suffering. Let's do the paragraph on page 15. The Blessed One Who Long Ago. The Blessed One Who Long Ago Attained Parinibbana is our refuge. So too are the Dhamma and the Sangha. Attentively we follow the pathway of that Blessed One with all of our mindfulness and strength. May the mission of this practice lead us to the end of every kind of suffering.
Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Uddang Dhammang Sangang Namasami So, there is that which can be cultivated. So, this is the whole sense of of path. In Buddhism, you have path rather than a god, or some miracle that's going to whisk you out of things or pull you out of things as a path. So, it's that which can be developed. In the way that you already, already know that, but just um, you know, consider deeply, you know, path. You can't start. You've got to start. Find starting points, and you know what moves you along it. <coughs> and again, the essence of particularly, particularly of the Buddha's teaching is very earthed. You know. There's you don't start from some kind of nibbana, transcendence, liberation. You start really very directly what you can touch, what you can know for yourself already. And striking feature of the Buddha's presentations, a lot of them are dialogues. He always try to get where the person was coming from and say, okay, you're coming from there. Well, this, what do you think about that, you know? and um, get them to move along from where they were. Would you say that's an advantage or a disadvantage? Well, you know. And um, one of the, the, you might think is the Eightfold Path, which is, yeah, but that was one presentation. Obviously a presentation in a way gathers up everything. Gathers all the factors together. But on another level, another way he presented it was this Kurnapubhikata, the graduated path, graduated discourse. And he said, well, this you got, you start with generosity 
and then virtue, and then recognizing the challenge, the difficulty of the senses, sense contact, and restraint required. And then learning to restrain the senses, it becomes possible to cultivate something called renunciation and freeing the mind from hindrance. And then freeing the mind from hindrance, the mind is ready to absorb uh, teachings on liberation. What is to be considered in that when you is it starts something like a lot of these Buddhist teachings so something so obvious you think, well yeah, but you know. Um but uh but then it 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 really takes something quite simple and you deepen into into it. You deepen into the what actually occurs in that. And they're essentially always building up what I call these interiors or a subjectivity. They're empowering a subjectivity. So generosity is always considered, I mean, everybody does it, everybody knows it, but it's, it's never valued in terms of what's given. It's not like, you know, the more stuff you give, it's always valued in terms of the purity of the quality of heart um, and also whether one is using it as a way to connect to uh, things of the highest value. So, such as say, um, people who have spiritual capacity feeling well if you support if you give to that you connect to it and you get it and the idea is that with 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 generosity you try to give it with your own hand so it's not just the casual thing but very directly so some sense of the connections are established and you bear in mind uh, and you make connections to um, people of spiritual strength and it's not because they're particularly searching for funds. And the, the, the dana that's given, the generosity is given, is of four kinds. Material resource, hospitality, um, medical assistance, and any kind of wise advice. Any, so these are the qualities of dana. And as I was saying yesterday, Sila itself is, a, is an act of generosity or offering the gift of fearlessness. So just to go back to what happens in an act of giving that is very pure. And you're not worrying about whether the other person wants it, needs it, how much it's worth, who's giving more. What, you know, the opening of heart, isn't there? Something that we all know and do to each other give flowers, send a card, you know, off, open the door, sit down, have a cup of tea, you know, that quality, you open, 
as heart opening quality and you, in that the sense is that the the recipient offers the opportunity for one to open one's heart so both the donor and recipient are held in a quality of value recipient is someone the, you know who, who is able to receive and uh, that allows your heart quality to open and extend and you notice that uh, the, if it's held as a heart quality rather than the object that's given then there is a strengthening of the heart you exercise a particular bringing out rather than pulling in you bring forth rather than pulling in and in that your heart is strengthened and there's a sense of yes I have I can so this is very much a foundational um, theme in certainly in Buddhism with sila it's not it's kind of like I'm looking at so much at laws and legal definitions of things but the sense of respect sensitivity awareness of mutual subjectivity yeah sounds complex but in other words this too is a sensitive creature this too is a sensitive being this too has as much in its sensitivity in its livingness it's it's the same as I am, you know, like a pig. No long, no more wants to die than I do. <laughs> Doesn't like pain. <laughs> Isn't just some pork on legs, you know. <laughs> That's there to fulfil my appetite. It's a creature that has its own intelligence, its own way of doing things, its own way of working stuff out. It has certain advantages over us. <laughs> In fact, you know, doesn't have to wear clothes. <laughs> so, you know, simple, doesn't need a lot of upkeep. We're quite expensive beings. So I think pig is, wor- is a worthy creature in that sense. You know, simple taste, simple needs. Doesn't, you know, just a bit of food, a bit of mud, place to sleep, pig is happy. <laughs> That's great. You know, I mean, if people were like that, it'd be really quite a... (laughs) But we're not. We have our own particular qualities. Pigs are not great on renunciation. Or Or meditation. There's a lot of things they really get poor results on. But you can't say you're better than a pig or worse than a pig, or the same as a pig, just say, pig has its own particular features and characteristics and strengths, and there's the human ones, but still I can respect this creature. It's not worse than I am, or even inferior. Human beings really get stuck on their own supremacy, don't we? You know, you try living out the way the pig does, you wouldn't last long. or a bear you know so they have particular strengths and limitations so do we
uh, on the sensory domain. So that sense of sila, you 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 have that respect for for sentiency and a sense of recognizing, you know, when we just see other creatures and of course other people even more horribly just as objects of our own projection then terrible things start happening slaughter butchery slavery incest brutalities happen somebody becomes an object of my fears phobias addictions and terrible terrible things happen you know, so this sense of um, the this, seed this is just absolutely essential, you know, the, the spirit of it. And then you don't just, you obviously cultivate it towards, you know, people near, people far, all human beings. And ideally you want to keep widening it, widening it, widening it, because then that, this, um, these heart qualities they're not just good or right or wrong, they have a particular potency. They make you strong, they make your heart strong. And uh, it, they, turn your, your, they turn your attention, turn your awareness into a bringing forth value. And that bringing forth a value means you become less dependent upon taking things in because you feel strong and you feel rich and you feel complete and you feel free from regret and you feel comfortable because you, this inner strength that it gives you. So it's not just a matter of being nice or being good, but sila has a, has a real, um, it holds the mind steady. It holds the mind, which needs to be held. It holds the mind not in a kind of crippling way, but in a dignified way, like, you know, this is a human mind, you are capable of a lot better than just projections, <coughs> phobias and addictions. <laughs> you know, it, holds it, it lifts it. You know, the Dhamma upholds those who uphold it, and Sila is a powerful Dhamma. You know, and it unifies because these interiors, what I call our interiors, our, our, our value systems, our sacredness, our subjective strength, you know, are our gifts that we can strengthen. And it helps to turn the tide against the push of what are called the exteriors, primarily the immediate hit of sense contact. You know, we get this hit, sight, sound, touch, sensations, and then I think it's reverberation, contact, contact, feeling, feeling, oh, what more? Thirst, you know, you get a hit, sight, sound, touch, and so forth, contact, contact triggers, there's a resonance, there's a rippling, mm. And the feeling comes, quality of pleasure, or painful. And then the thirst, to push away the painful, to grab hold of the pleasant. And this is the um, conundrum 
that um, you know spiritual traditions are always trying to come to terms with. Here, here we are. We're in this, and uh, you know the senses uh, have their power to trigger powerful momentums of reaching out and manipulating and hoarding. And in that, if that tide takes over, the qualities of sila dwindle. People start cheating, cutting corners, being less conscientious, not really caring too much, not really looking into consequences uh, of which, you know, and there's the sense of then it becomes normalized to the point to which even you know even words like restraint have got a terrible flavor to them oh it's like being throttled you know like my rights are being taken away from me renunciation oh dear sounds even worse Uh, my rights my possible pleasure is being taken away from me and we can you know why should i'm not going to do that the idea is to you know, live fully, live completely, and really fully realize the, um, you know, the flowering of what the senses can bring to us. Mm. (laughs) And it gives pleasure. But the pleasure, of course, washes through and particular, no, it's not pleasure, it's just pleasure, it's not good or bad, it's just pleasure or painful, it's not wrong by itself, it's not wrong, it's just that. But when it sets up a particular trajectory whereby my inclinations now become much more geared to the measuring the pleasurability of sense contact, of touch, of sight, even of, uh, you know, what I involve myself with, and that becomes the paramount feature. Then these other qualities, <coughs> such as sila, you know, virtue, integrity, mutuality, sharing, they start to dwindle. We may still do them, but they become kind of like lesser, or things you do occasionally, <coughs> you know. And they don't get the full strength they could do. So this, then our interiors, our hearts become less powerful. And the full potential of what a human being is capable of is diminished. Just that. So the Buddha said, this is, this is hazardous. He doesn't say it's wrong or immoral or grubby. He just says it's hazardous. And it, it doesn't get you very far. And so essentially, you know, the Buddha is not a, a moralist in some puritanical way, but just saying, well, you, know, you could do this, but this, you, this one gets you this far, but this one takes you further to fulfillment, to peace, to resolution, to really where you want to go. And you get a, perhaps you get a, a kind of a, 
a taste of it in the sense realm is that moment when the, the quality of pleasure seems to flood the system and for that moment we are quite buoyed up by it and then of course it tends to subside and that's well, okay because there's another one and there is the whole issue of addiction we are addictive creatures mm. Sentient beings are, you know, these kind of these wiring up rats, and um, <laughs> this is a very kind thing to do to a rat, but you know, and uh, I think they wired up some experiment where this rat can has an electrode in his head and he pushes a button bar with his nose and he gets his shot of pleasure, and it hits his pleasure center in his head, just pushes a this thing with his nose and boom, gets a little flush in the head. It's rat, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so the first, first rat just frazzles itself silly with this thing and it really collapses. <laughs> and there's another one where they put the pleasure button, is it? They build a kind of like a steel runway to this this pleasure button they put the and they they put electric current through the runway and the rats at one of the runways it kind of hopping along <laughs> to hit, hit the flare across the electric electric uh, current you think yeah you know yeah i've seen a few people do that <laughs> And of course, one of the the the, the feature of of uh, that we have to come to terms with as a, as culture and species is is you know consumerism. Because if we just keep, we can only find our happiness from the sense world. And the sense world, one feature of it, it's it's you know, you have to feed on sense objects. So that means things you can touch and taste and smoke and inhale and stuff like that. Where's that all coming from? Everything material, everything, is coming from one place, the earth. And it's limited. And it's running out. And there's more of us. Do the math, what happens, you know? (laughs) So we sort of you know, the amount of, of um, energy is going into and not just just getting enough food to eat, which isn't the case for everybody even. But it's not just that, it's like, you know, gadgets, gizmos, stuff. Stuff, 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 stuff. Not just bare necessities or even okay, but just the extravagance. Um, you know, and that becomes standardized as the good life. So there's a certain sense in which this is not just even a spiritual or religious issue, it's, it's, a, it's a survival issue. And so then, then it becomes our responsibility to understand that and realize, well, it's not that it's by itself 
the sense problem is not wrong, but it's limited, and our appetites are not limited. <laughs> you know, but then there's this other source of feeling good, pleasure. And the Buddha called this the uh, niram. Samisa is pleasure associated with sense objects, and niramisa, which is the pleasure of contentment, of love, of generosity, of sharing, of respect, of dignity, of seeing others with respect, of what can occur in friendship in that way, you feel you feel good. And that, you know, the Buddha was a pragmatist, people have got to have pleasure. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't go, it's, 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 it's too hard. So, and then the pleasure that can come through cultivating those strengths to the point when you're the interior, you could say, calling it the interior, the, you know, the heart, the mind, your awareness becomes a rich place so that you, you dwell in it, and this is what we call meditation or samadhi, an important aspect of meditation, that gathering into a place of steadiness, comfortable ease. Yeah. And then because then you you're getting something met and it doesn't cost anything. <laughs> and it doesn't take anything from anyone else. And you have to taking anything's life, any, any other creature's life to do it. Uh, and it actually causes your addictive tendencies to dwindle. Yeah. Because it's very satisfying. And it cools and calms the mind so that the, even the, the intensity of, of appetite becomes abates because it actually the quality of, of wanting and searching itself becomes stressful and you just don't want it anymore it's not worth the hassle <laughs> that it involves to put your energy out to go and get another have another buy another see another it's just go through that yeah if you don't need to. You don't want to have run across that electric bridge to hit the pressure <laughs> button. <laughs> it's just, just, it's just contented. Self-respect. Mm. Respect for others. Mm. So this is very much to, to draw the mind into that. Mm. So this is the way that you, a careful person, an average careful person, don't have to be a genius, don't have to be that lofty, just a careful, reflective person who realizes the limitations and in fact the hazards of the sense realm starts to turn their inclinations and find it's not just a uh, kind of like a don't do this, don't do that, but here, here's the good stuff. 
Mm. And then it's going to take you further to, and it makes you, stabilizes the mind, strengthens the mind rather than causes it to constantly feel needy. The senses this turning point because I think most people would in some way or another say oh, clearly yeah, yeah nice generosity is good it's fun it's enjoyable morality oh yes 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 well how come you know there's so much killing not even subtle deflections of morality but pretty gross huge uh, destruction of life human life animal life vegetable life how come there's so much of that Mm. because clearly we just hold morality as a kind of token of some kind we moralize and then it turns the other way. We're the good people, those are the bad things, kill them. <laughs> That's morality. You know. We're the good guys, he's done wrong, throw him in jail. Right. So that's, you know, that's, what, that's what morality comes down to when it's corrupted into this lack of mutual respect, lack of subjectivity. We start to just use laws rather than respect and understanding for other beings and clearly the less sharing there is then people get resentful people don't get their share if we're not sharing hospitality sharing friendship some people get extremely disadvantaged well you know they get a bit fed up (laughs) and then people get angry depressed and there's a crime violence and so forth. So they're all linked up. And remember dana is not just coin in the box, it's the opening of the heart to how can I help? Just like me, you know, how can I help you? Mm. Respect. Most important thing. It's interesting that even in, I've noted even in quite poor places, you know, technically poor resource, resource, in terms of material resources, uh, where the cedar is a little little more than just uh, precepts, it also means a sense of protocols around, that that involve the sense of mutuality. So often in, you know, poor in poor, probably in poor countries, there's a certain sense of people gather together and share. There's a mutuality. Like, they realize everybody's hard up, so you share. You know what it's like to be hard up, so you share. And the poor people can be a lot more generous than rich people. <laughs> because they know what it's like to be poor. And they know that a poor person 
It's not stupid, lazy, degenerate. They're just deprived of resources. You know, and this na- nature of it to, to share becomes established as the most important value. Somebody comes to the door, you oh, please come in. You must have something to eat. That, that, that quality. Mm. A saying in some of these, uh, I was reading a book about tribal cultures and North African tribal culture. Somewhere they just have, it's quite, you know, it's a desert actually. And the saying is, a poor person is a disgrace to us all. In other words, if somebody poor comes to your house, you've got to look after them. You can't let them still be impoverished. You have to. It's just a dreadful thing. It's a shame on you if you don't share. If you don't have much, you must at least share what you have because it's just you know, a disgrace to yourself, to your, to your humanity, if you don't do that. Well, you know, so, and that, that gives people strength. And then that strength, you don't really need so much. You have friendship, you have freedom from fear, resentment, freedom from anxiety, freedom from loneliness. Freedom from that. Mm. Now you feel free, comfortable. See, the qualities of heart, you begin to see that the quality of heart can strengthen to the point where it just is bigger than what sense contact can bring. And that's just this very simple um, program. Strengthen the heart, strengthen what's essentially yours. Strengthen, don't forget and take and also take refuge and strengthen what is truly yours cannot be taken away from you and that's going to be bigger than all the stuff that comes running in and that's not yours in the first place and you can't actually have it then sense restraint becomes quite natural because you don't you don't want to have that going out and you feel more comfortable. Now this is, uh, without this then I don't know what, how one would meditate really. It's too, too difficult unless one has strengthened the heart. So in the cultivation of the path the Buddha you know, never started or didn't didn't see meditation as separate from the rest of what we're doing. In fact, it's a consequence of this gradual strengthening and gathering and enjoying and fulfillment in the heart becomes what we call samadhi, meditation and change of value and freedom. The process is like that. Now when we come to this retreat situation and uh, you know you, you, there's quite a 
sudden transition from you know media doing stuff into suddenly chatting and so forth suddenly you kind of cut that's cut perhaps it's a little bit sudden I always have my doubts about these things uh, but uh, you know and so you feel that oh you know feel a bit disoriented what am I going to do what am I going to hold on to gee it gets boring all these thoughts coming up going on feel disturbed physical pain discomfort what did I do this for <laughs> feeling tired sleepy you know what did I do with it what did I put myself into this for uh, so one has to then take steps to deepen the interiors and there are two primary interiors body, mind they're both the body and the mind are both the problem and they're also they're the uh, way out So if we review the senses, you can see there, there's a, the way they're lined up in the Buddha's teaching there. They represent a deepening degree of, for want of a better word, intimacy. So we start with the, the first one is the visual sense, in which you're clearly, what is seen is out there. Uh, I close my eyes, it disappears. It's always a distance away from me, from an inch to a mile. And it's just that, and it, it's all things out there. By itself, it doesn't involve me. I can look at it, and it doesn't necessarily see me. So this is quite a, a distant sense door. It's good for object definition. No, not real. Not, not, not no subjectivity in it. There's no particular feeling associated with seeing things. A feeling comes from the mental response to that. And then you come to the next one, the ear, and you're always with the, the visual sense. You're always it's always in front of you, isn't it? Clearly, eyes in the back of your head. So it's just that, yeah. and you watch it, on the screen visual screen. Auditory sense, you're sitting in the middle of something, it's around you. Right? So you're a little more involved because it could be behind you. You can't quite tell how distant something is. Buzzing, is that a fly in my ear or a lawnmower? Or is it a plane overhead? Or is it a car? It takes a while, yeah, where is that? Distance is not clear. You're much more in it and it's around you. And it's often the, the, the you notice that um, creatures that are prey have big ears, right? Deer, rabbits, enormous ears, because they've got to check out what's around. Yeah. What's happening and it's fear, which is around. We're in it. And you come to the next two. Well, the nose, it's in you. Boom, comes up your nose, doesn't it? You feel it, oof. So it's pungent or delightful. You, something enters you. 
you feel the sense contact burst inside you. Same with, even more so with the taste, because it's not just going, you can swallow it. It's going to go right inside you. And then you come to body, where anything you touch, touches you. There's no separation. This can get, this is pretty sensitive, isn't it? Whatever you touch, you can see something, it doesn't see you, but you touch something, it touches you. And that could be very serious. <laughs> or it could be extremely pleasurable as well. So it's a very heightened sense organ. There's no separation. You're affected. You're in it. Yeah, you're involved. A lot of charge. A lot of, lot of activation. Touch. Mind, even more intimate because it's not only you in it, you are it. <laughs> well, that's what it seems like. You know, there's no up and down. There's no back and front. It's just a complete, you know, flood, turbulent, and it can do anything. In, in a finger snap, it can throw, a, throw anything up extremely not just intimate you are it and it's it's volatile and it's heaving around and it can bring in a mood a memory that stabs you it can bring in a thought that crushes you it can bring in a hope that gets you running it can bring in an anxiety that sits in your in your heart and screams in your ears all night long <laughs> keeps you awake <laughs> it's, it's even more so than a body yeah. But, of course, rightly cultivated, you know, rightly cultivated, you know, the embodiment gives you a sense of, of uh, presence, strength, hearness, sensitivity, grounded. I am touching the ground. I do have space around me. That's always the case. There's always some space around me. There's always some ground beneath me. There's always that sense of core presence with the body. It is here. There is here. There is ground. There is balance. You can relax your body into that and get felt results. Felt results, distinctly felt results. Relief from tension, fear, panic, dizziness. Mm. And with the mind, even more so, because the mind is capable of bringing up reflections of those near and far who we feel dear to us, inspiring to us. Mm. Mm. We can bring up uh, our values, recollect them. Recollect the values of others, their actions, their deeds, and what they mean to us 
when we get a sense of the mind rising. There's nothing can ruin you so much as an uncultivated mind. Nothing can look after you so well as a cultivated mind. There's the hinge. (laughs) And uh, both the body and the mind can be highly affected and turned towards you know, X was purely external and they can be rightly directed towards their interiors and their values and their presence and their steadying and their enrichment. And this is the turn that uh, we're encouraged for our own happiness and welfare and for the happiness and welfare of others to develop because if one's own heart and mind has this strength and clarity, then for sure you can only be for the welfare of others. Because you will not harm them. You will not despise them. You will not lie to them because it hurts your heart. It corrupts your heart. It feels bad. And it, it causes this wonderful possibility of relationship to become soured and twisted and furtive. You say, you just don't want that. You know, it's too confusing and painful to keep that thing going. So you, you must be for the welfare of others by this cultivation. You don't need to have a whole kind of Maha Compassion program going. I mean, you can if you want, but just this already. If we just did that, you know, if there's seven billion of us just basically behaving ourselves and being halfway decent, <laughs> with a little bit of clear thinking, you know, <laughs> you've got amazing teams instead of this me mine stuff going on. So, you know, when we come to to retreat uh, this time, uh, you know, very important to recollect and again going against the current because uh, the problem of of body and the problem of mind is they tend to get locked into afflictive habits. So we get locked into our despairs or our things we've done wrong or hurts that have been done to us or our inadequacies we get locked into those and our problems and, and then yeah you know you get stuck in it so you need to just keep introducing deliberately recollecting Day I haven't done no one any harm. Now, just so this is it, the cultivation of mind is to, to, as I was saying with the earlier, with the proper attention, deep attention, wise attention, you take the words and you hold the words slowly and you distill the fragrance, the meaning, or 
the underlying difficulty that those words are the skin of, the outer edge of. Words are just surfaces, just layers. What's the meaning? So this is a skill to recollect. We recollect. What does it really mean to you to have been someone who other people need not shrink away from or mistrust? Hmm? You take it again. It's not, it's not something we've cultivated. So it is a little rusty and weak and contrived at first. You know, somebody says, well, let's, let, you know, I want you to be really honest about yourself. What do you think you're going to come out with? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I do the best I can, but I've got some difficulty. It's all kind of mediocre. And most people who come out with the, the thing of being honest by telling about people about their faults. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna confess. <laughs> That's the honest I'll confess all my the things I was too ashamed of myself to reveal to anybody, I'll now confess. And they well, are you ashamed of your virtue? Why don't you confess that? <laughs> uh, why don't you confess your your uh, patience or your you know your persistence uh, here today or at any time. So this essential dripping in of the, uh, you know, true um, reflections on the nature of virtue, the nature of your your bounty, your goodness, your good fortune. Mm. And we reflect on it. We reflect on the good that has arrived to us. You know, the freedom from disease or pain that we are in now. Um, the freedom from oppression or brutality that we have right now. And remember, we may take it for granted But if you look around, you see that throughout history, brutality is very common. Yeah. Brutality to other humans is, it's not a freak occurrence. <laughs> it's common. If you haven't experienced it today, you should consider that to be a sign of good fortune. <laughs> because that could not be said for everyone. Mm. Freedom from just, you know, contentment. One has received food, one has been nourished. That couldn't be said for everyone. And nice, good food, prepared with, you know, very good food, prepared with care, attention, offered. Not kind of grubby old rubbish that you have to, you know, forage for. (laughs) So even something like this, so you, you begin to appreciate and gain contentment over the good fortune that has arrived. There is goodness, there is, there is good deeds, there is that which is given to us. We can breathe in, we can breathe out. 
Yeah, we're sheltered, we're warm, uh, and we're in good company. And you know, oh, this is good fortune for me. Uh, rather than place my mind, my attention, on that which is unresolved, uh, unhappy, afflicted, why don't I place my t- mind on something that gives rise to fruitful qualities? So this is one of the fundamental strategies for unhitching the hindrances. So rather than place your attention on a sub, an object of craving, place your attention on an object that brings contentment. Rather than place your mind on an object that brings up a sense of despond and gloom, place your mind on something that gives you a sense of gratitude and fulfillment. You know, it's kind of like, it's logical, isn't it? <laughs> so but it actually has to be cultivated because the way we are, our attention tends to swing like the thorn in your finger. You don't notice the other nine that don't have them. <laughs> or the toes or the ears or the rest. You notice the one digit with a thorn in it. So that's, that's the way we're geared. So you have to deliberately turn, 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 uh, recollect, and it is a skill. Recollection of other beings who've been helpful, and um, you feel grateful for, and you feel comfortable in their presence. Oh, you know, there is that, a light for my life. The similar so you can do this in your mind and in fact I really really want you to do it because you know that thing that mind thing can swing any old which way and you don't want to just let it (laughs) just operate by default (laughs) you know because if you go into the repetitive addictive phobias and patterns that we find problematic so you just don't let it you know, swing. So the idea of like choiceless awareness, I think, is a, is a, you know, it's a tricky topic because actually, mm, if we were really choiceless, but certain habits have been established, and to just find yourself plunged into them um, is like just taking the boat out into the harbour with no rudder. <laughs> <laughs> Just here we go. <laughs> Which way is the wind gonna blow? <laughs> you know, so yeah, if you can find if you have enough sati mindfulness to, to be able to be strong enough in the currents and the tides, yeah, sure, then let it let it happen. But you know, one is strongly recommended to definitely make choices to get that those foundations established. Yeah rather than just to get plunged into your dukkha. And similarly in this, this embodiment, I'm using a very wide range of, uh, frame of reference, really, to say the whole body, you know, not a kind of little pinpoint, the whole body is a, is a, a sentient perce- organ of perception, receiving impressions externally and internally, its own impressions of its densities, its constrictions, its openness, its rhythms, its breathing, its warmth, its fluidities, its earthiness. So within all that, 
what is the most helpful for you? Where's the place where your mind can find some comfort, some steadying, some place where the the dukkha isn't going to overwhelm you? So then this is strategy for meditation. Both of these. So in the mind and in the body. And when the two come together, then you've got these two very powerful sentiences, which are rich with feeling and intimacy and effective and really get you. And you start to get them working for you rather than against you. Yeah. Then that's, that's exactly what we're looking at. That's the turnaround, you know. These tremendously potent sources of experience, intimate experience, experience you, you can't, you know, your eyes, you can close your eyes, you can't close your body, <laughs> and you can't close your mind. So these, even though you te- one attempts to, in the system eventually can even try to numb the body out with so much constriction, or dump or suppress the mind with some other input or delusion or distraction, but really they, they don't close. That's, that's the, the precipitous nature of it all. Therefore, you must fill them. You must fill them. And simple thing, you know, I have not generated fear for another being. In fact, I have tried to offer warmth, spaciousness, sharing, uh, sensitivity. Mm. Other beings, other people have not harmed me. They're not putting pressure on me. They're not, you know, freedom from fear. One has done good. One has kept precept, virtue, restraint. If this was kept by even, I don't know, half the population of the planet to this strength, (coughs) what a happy world we'd be in. These are not just ideas, they're rich energies and potentials that we have the opportunity to bring forth, the encouragement to bring forth, I would say the necessity to bring forth. Mm. And these are factors that we begin to see. Uh Aha! It's not doom. It's not fatalism. It's not, well, you're stuck with this. It's not, well, this is the way you are. It's, there's change. There's shifting. There's a path. There's movement. Yeah. There is that which can be cultivated. I don't quite know where it's going to, but I like the way the direction. <laughs> I'll take that. And it's, it's said, if one stays with that, the path itself, and something starts to arise. It's interesting enough, the very quality of, of, of our citta has this wisdom potential in it. It doesn't have to be 
inculcated, it has to be potentized. It, when it starts to sniff a way out of suffering, it's over there. It starts moving that way. And the momentum begins to pick up, you know, the way it goes. So this is how it is. Mm. Mm. And over time, certainly for myself, I think you know, there was looking around and when I was uh, in my teens and twenties, you know, you, you do the stuff and it was into the various music, um, drugs, psychedelics, you know, looking to expand into those areas to have a richer, fuller life. And uh, you get to the point, you think, like that rat has pushed the pleasure bar too many times. <laughs> it's just about <laughs> collapsing. <laughs> you know, the, the, the payoff is getting less. <laughs> I, think, oh, I think I've had enough. <laughs> You get to that, I don't know what else there is, but I've had enough. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What else is there? I don't know, but I've had enough of this. And you get in this state. And then the teacher arises. Isn't it interesting? Suddenly you get the hint. Oh, meditation. Oh. And something arises, you get a sign, you get a word, because you, you, your mind is looking. You think, oh, what's that? You know, from the crisis, when you finally realize all that you've been doing, as best you can to get happy, has not worked. Oh dear. Or perhaps rather ruder words than that. But <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, game's up. Oh, well, <laughs> and then, you know, you get some, something arises, you see a sign, you read a book, you meet someone, you, I'll try that, and then, and you find, then you're in, you're in, and then it's got you. So I certainly, you know, I did 15 minutes of meditation, which just gave me the insight to realize my mind is completely crazy. <laughs> and I can watch it. Uh-huh. What's that? And just that little more more of this is needed. There's a crack. There's a, there's a way out. I can witness my mind. There's a way out. Yeah. Or then go to a monastery. What am I doing in a monastery? I've never been to a monastery. I don't want to go to a monastery. Why am I going to a monastery? I don't want to do precepts. Why am I doing? I'm doing precepts. I don't want to do sense restraint. I'm allergic to it. It's bad for me. Uh oh, I'm doing sense restraint. What's going on? What's going on? All I want to do is meditate. Oh dear. <laughs> you know, the momentum starts and then you realize that this is going to be tough because I've got all the results of the heedlessness and the wrong views and the wrong directions all come 
rolling in, you know, and it's like doing cold turkey, you know. <laughs> it's just stay, 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 stay. There's no, you know, you've had enough. Stay, stay, stay. Just patience. Patience. Stay with that glimmer of understanding and that recognition things are turning uh, and uh, you know and that, that's, that's the transition and so certainly this can be pretty uncomfortable uh, disturbing losing control mind is going strange don't feel comfortable don't worry you're on the right track Just hang in <laughs> and look around and think, oh, thank goodness we're suffering together. <laughs> we, we got this. And uh, just, you know, remember your virtues. Try to linger long enough with those ideas to get the feeling. Take it in, breathe it in, breathe it out. This will be for your welfare and smooth, smooth the path. Let's take a five-minute comfort break, and if you'd like to gather together for a final half-hour sit, if you're really feeling tired, then take a rest. But if you like to just stretch your legs, freshen up, and sit together, that would be wonderful. <coughs> 